Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 242. This is also our eighth installment to our Moving Diary series. So this past Friday, the 18th, officially marks six months that we are Orlando residents. Is that really hard to believe? It is actually hard to believe because sometimes I feel like we just moved here. And then honestly, the only thing keeping me grounded as far as time goes is just knowing that I've made it through half a year of school. And that's really the only thing that allows me to wrap my mind around the fact that it's been six months. So these moving diary episodes have been something that have been really fun for us to reflect on. And we're trying to be brutally honest in some cases about what it's like living down here, just sharing our experiences. And for the most part, it's just been kind of generated from our thought process. And so for our last Moving Diary installment for quite some time, I would imagine maybe the next one we do is next June at a one year mark. We wanted to reach out to you guys as the listeners to see what questions you had about what moving to Walt Disney World is like and what our experience has been like. And I have to say, we've never done this before as far as reaching out to you guys for questions for an episode. And the response was amazing. I was convinced we would have like three questions and we'd have to (laughs) fake them. But all these are real. We didn't have to fake any of them at all. I only had to beg twice on Instagram, but they came pouring in. So we really appreciate you guys asking. And if you didn't get a chance to ask us any of these questions, then hopefully I think we have a good wide array of topics that hopefully we'll answer and and touch on maybe something that you're interested in. So we've broken them down into four different categories that most of these fall into. And some were repeat questions. So we combined them and, and tried to hit everything that we're want to. So first are questions about the move itself, about how do you pull that off? The second is what it's like living in Florida, in central Florida. Third is going to be Florida versus Tennessee questions. There's only a couple of those, but it's a good compare and contrast to what our life was like before. And then last is just kind of like a reflection, you know, favorites, things like that. So we're going to get through these We don't want to rush through them, but I will say that if we take too long on them, this will be like a three hour long episode. We don't want that. No. I don't think we could keep your attention for that long, but let's just get started. Moving questions is up first. Very first question that came in was, was moving to Walt Disney World something that you knew that you wanted to do? And how did you make the decision to move to Florida with confidence? And this is a very interesting question because we have two very different answers, I think, to this. So I I grew up in Nashville. I was born in Nashville. I always knew from, I think, like early teenage years, I had dreams to leave Nashville and to leave Tennessee. 
And I remember specifically like doing one of those, like, what will your life be like? And because I'm a big St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, I always said, I'm moving to St. Louis so that I can get season tickets to go to the Cardinals games. And I want to live right next to the stadium. And that was my idea of always moving. But that seed had been planted in me for a really long time that I wanted to move and try something different. And it just happened that as we grew up and we kind of started our adult life, Walt Disney World just kind of became the place that I latched onto and that I knew that the offerings of this area matched sort of what I was looking for. And I don't know where it initially clicked for me. I know the WDW radio has had a lot of episodes in the past talking and and having a roundtable discussion of people who have moved to Orlando, and I never missed any of those. So I kind of became fixated on it earlier than you, I think. Do you think that's fair? Oh, yeah, I'd say that's fair. I mean, so growing up, I'm kind of the opposite. I moved around more than Brendan did just because my parents were just never super tied to one place. I think when they were early in their adult relationship, they moved away from like their parents and their hometown. And then it just kind of took them across the country. So I've been in Massachusetts, Kansas, Tennessee. And for me, it was harder for Brendan to convince me to leave Tennessee. And it wasn't because I'm just obsessed with Tennessee or anything like that. It's more that I am very much so a creature of habit. And I had a good setup. And, you know, it's hard to leave when something is good, like with your job. And, you know, I talked about it before, but like I really enjoyed it. And it just kind of got to the point where, you know, that desire that Brendan had to move it's not that he convinced me because I was very much so on board, but it was more just like, you know, we're going to give it a go because being at Disney is something that we both really desired. And obviously we got to the point where we were coming down maybe once a month. And I mean, it just kind of clicked. It just kind of made sense one day. And I wish I could remember, I think it was summer of would have been 2019, right? When we really started having those conversations. And I think, you know, it just got brought up in conversation and we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, is this crazy? Are we really going to do it? And it was just like that feeling of, yes, we're doing it. And I think that gave us the confidence to move. And I know that sounds silly, but it's just like, you know, it had been something that we had talked about for many years. It's not like we just woke up one day and decided to do it, but it was just that feeling of, you know, we're going to go for it. We're going to try it. And for us, we've said it before, but it was also that safety net of, you know what, if we are completely miserable being Floridians, then we feel very strongly that we're never tied to something And I know that's a different mindset than some other people have, but we, you know, we just want to be happy with wherever we're at. And, you know, in Tennessee, it's not that we weren't happy there, but it is that we had that longing to be here. So we just thought we have to try it out. 
And there's a couple of things that I think are, I don't, I don't think they're oversharing, but I do think it is important to, for me to explain where that seed came from for me. And as I grew up, it got stronger and stronger and stronger. I just felt, and I think it was self-imposed, but I felt very put into a box in our town in Tennessee. I felt like everywhere we went, we saw people that we knew and I had expectations for what I was and what I wasn't. And it just became really exhausting for me. And I think ultimately it just became that conversation between us that I just said, we don't have to do it right now. We don't have to do it in any particular time frame. But I just, I remember telling you, like, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, like, this is eventually something that I want to do. And I think it was probably at least a year, if not more, that we, between that conversation and the conversation to like, let's actually do this. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, if you've grown up in a small town, you can probably relate to that where, you know, we go out to dinner on a Friday night after school, you see people, I go to the grocery store, I see students and parents and my mom's students that she had, you know, 10 years ago. And it is a freeing feeling to know that in Florida, we don't have that kind of pressure where you're always going to see someone you know, or, you know, they're going to ask you about, you know, your career and, you know, then they're going to tell you about how much better they are and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's hard to being away from all those familiar faces, but it is somewhat freeing. So I think that also gave us that push. And to kind of hit on the second part of that question of how did we make the decision with confidence? I don't know if we did have too much confidence, to be completely honest. I think it was what you mentioned, Catherine, of we can always undo it. Nothing is permanent, maybe financially crippling for us <laughs> if we you know, got down there and decided that it wasn't for us, but we just kind of viewed it as we've got to do this. We've got to explore it. And we'll see what happens and how it unfolds from there. Yeah. So then, of course, with that decision came, you know, determining where we were going to live and finding a house. So that kind of leads into the next question, which was, what was the hardest part about finding a home? And how do you feel about your house itself? So I thought that was a very interesting question, because typically when we talk about living by Disney, that's all that we focus on is just what's it like going to the parks. But of course, when we're not at the parks, we're at home. And, and I work from home. And, and Brendan spends a lot of time at home. Um, so I'd say the hardest part about finding a home, and of course, we made the decision to move right in the middle of everything being shut down. We were literally looking at homes in like March, April, we closed in Well, that, that's June. not entirely true. We decided long before, but we started to put but, the wheels in motion during. Yeah, the thing. house hunting process yeah. was when everything was shutting down. So typically, it, you know, if you were planning to move down to Florida, you would probably come down a weekend or take off some time from work and really have the opportunity to look at houses and Fortunately, we did have the opportunity to look at areas and we looked at the neighborhood that we're currently living in and fell in love with it, felt very comfortable 
here. Like it felt like a place that we could call home, but we did not see our house completed. We saw floor plans and I guess because we had built before, like we, we could visualize things pretty well. Of course, it's hard to actually understand size, which is something that I think we both quickly realized once we moved down here. And we realized, we heavily relied on YouTube. We found one YouTube video of like a walk through of our floor plan and we probably watched it a hundred times just trying to visualize what we were getting ourselves into. And I think it worked out. We enjoy our house. We really do like it. And we downsized very intentionally because we wanted to have the freedom to do other things and spend money in other areas without having to be what we would call house poor because that's kind of what we experienced in Tennessee and decided that that's not how we wanted to live. However, it was really hard for me to leave our house in Tennessee because we built that house. I picked everything in that house and I didn't get to do that as much here. Does that make sense, Brendan? It does make sense. And I think just like the second half of that, of how do we feel about this house itself is that it is smaller. It's it's we cut by like seven or 800 square feet from our old house. We didn't quite know how to quantify that. And our old house definitely had a lot more curb appeal. And I don't know if that's something that I really value, but now it's just, we have a house. It's a house. It, we live inside of it. <laughs> it's nothing fantastic. And I think it just kind of goes with that breaking free from that last question of how we feel that down here, we're okay just being nobodies. Like we drive around, we don't see anybody we know. We don't have to worry about running into people. And I think there's a part of that that translates to the house itself. In Tennessee, we we outkicked our coverage to a certain extent. We could afford it, but we didn't have to get the house that we got No, at that time period. Here, I feel much more comfortable knowing it serves its purpose. It's not our forever home. Do I wish my office was a little bit bigger? Do I wish that my window was faced a different direction so that I get more sunlight <laughs> during the day while I'm working? Quite possibly. But the whole goal of this house was just to get us down here. And it has fulfilled that and more. And for that, we're very grateful for it. You know, it was a little shocking when we first walked into the house. And you can tell me what you think, looking in all the rooms and looking at the space and kind of saying, okay, we are going to have to adjust a little bit just because we didn't have the same closet space. That's been a big issue. We didn't realize how important closets were. We also didn't realize how important unfinished attics were. That was a big thing in our old house. Like and basements, a lot of people up north, I know, are very attached to their basements. There are not a lot of basements here, so you'll have to let go of that. So a question that did not pop up here, but I can, I might go with this one. We still have our storage unit. We do. With still lots of boxes in there. I'm definitely wanting to go by the rule that if we don't get it within a year, we can pitch it. 
we obviously don't need it if and, we haven't went and picked it up. And I'm in support of that just because we don't have that storage space. And whenever we talk about home improvements, we always bring up storage solutions. So if anyone has any really good storage solutions, I'd love to hear it. But that is something that um, when we think about our house right now, that's something that we struggle with. Our next question is, what is the average cost of an apartment near Disney? And what is the best area to move to cost-wise, including distance from the park? The second half of that question is going to be a lot easier for us to answer. An apartment was never really in the cards for us, mainly just due to our dogs. They're divas. They need yards. They we bark could, a lot. They bark a lot. It would it would be a mess. If we didn't have the dogs, which is very hard for us to imagine because they're our whole lives. <laughs> We we would be we've talked about it, we'd be fine living in a, a townhouse, a condo, an apartment, any of the above. Something with less maintenance. Less maintenance would be great for us, but those two corgis definitely play a major role into it. So we didn't even really look at apartments for the most part, but I I do think there's a lot of correlation between the research that we did for homes and with apartments. I did briefly look up, and I think it is very fair to say that if you are apartment hunting, if you have the same budget, if you're apartment hunting, you can get much closer to Disney World than you can with the house. A lot of those houses, single family homes that are around Disney World are pretty crazy. Not something we could afford for sure. But I do know you can literally be right behind Magic Kingdom, right behind it for $1,400 a month. In an apartment. Like you come out of your driveway of the apartment complex and you can see the back of Cinderella Castle that close, which I didn't even know that area existed before we moved down here. I don't know if I would want to see it that often, to be completely honest. But if that is your goal, you can get dangerously close (laughs) with an apartment. However, if you want to expand it out a little bit further and maybe you want to make your dollar stretch a little bit further, I think the way that I thought about the different areas of Disney or of Orlando, (laughs) I think makes sense for the most part is that if you go directly North of Walt Disney world, that's going to be most of your most expensive areas. They are really, really nice areas. But I think the reason why they're so expensive is because you have really easy access to downtown Orlando, and you have really easy access to Walt Disney World and Universal, for that fact. That little pie crust, piece of pie that's there in between downtown Orlando and Walt Disney World is really nice. Mm-hmm. So that's your Windermere's, parts of Winter Garden, etc. If you expand that further out and you really go west of Walt Disney World, that's where you can start looking at areas that don't have as easy access to downtown, but you still have easy access to Disney World, which was our main goal. So if you're wanting to look at some of those areas that your dollar is going to go a little bit further and you're still going to be really close to the park, I would look for communities like Winter Garden, Hamlin specifically in Winter Garden is one of our favorite areas. Claremont, Horizons West, Davenport, and Champions Gate. Champions Gate is part of Davenport. But all of those have trade-offs, to be completely honest. Winter Garden is going to be more expensive. 
Claremont, you have a little bit of difficulty that you have to cut over to get to where you want to go on Disney property. And if you get down in Davenport, you're most likely going to have to take four to a lot of places that you want to go. So each of them have pros and cons. But if you're just searching on Zillow, that's where I would start. Mm -hmm. And that's where we found most of our options too. For whatever reason, if you start to go east of Disney, that's where you start to get into like the real downtown kind of area. And honestly, that's just something that we never even considered. The only real uh, community that I think a lot of people should consider that is south and east. I mean, Celebration obviously is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Reunion is south of there. We've only been through there once, but it seems really nice in that area as well. But I think Kissimmee is so big, you can't give a definitive answer on one part of it. it like You have to break it up into neighborhoods almost with Kissimmee because it is... It covers so much geographic area. You will be very surprised that you'll be in an area and you'll look at the address and it's, how are we in Kissimmee? We're 30 or 40 minutes away from the town center of Kissimmee. So it's a weird area, but my pro tip, I think, is to stay west. That's a good pro tip. So the next question goes with the actual process of moving. And it was, how did you move all of your furniture from another state? And to me, this is probably the funniest part of our move because I think we bit off a lot more than we could chew. And we opted to move it ourselves is the answer. We rented a Penske truck. We chose Penske over U-Haul because of some of the research that Brendan did as far as the just the newness it of the truck. It was supposed trucks. to be newer trucks. I don't know if that's true or not, but it made us feel good. Yeah, so we went with Penske. We did all the packing ourselves. So we just bought like some of the big kits off of Amazon with the U-Haul boxes, all the things that you need for like your dishes, um, just whatever it might be. And we only paid to have help with moving the furniture out and into the new house. So basically, we packed it all up. It was ready to go the movers that we hired. So we hired the college hunks moving junk, but there are a lot of comparable moving companies. Two men in the truck, same thing. Yeah, same kind of idea. Um, They just packed up the truck and we felt good about that because they packed it professionally. It wasn't like how we would have done it with just randomly throwing boxes. That way we didn't have to worry about things jostling so much. It was all... Nice and neat, the same way that we found it when we got down to Florida, which was nice. But we picked this because it saved us a lot of money. I, in an ideal world, I would have loved to have someone come pack all the boxes and do the whole thing for us, but that just wasn't feasible for us. And I mean, the only things that I would say that we learned is Penske trucks should not go uphill. So you have to give yourself a lot of patience and time. Um, We discovered that we needed a lock for the back of the truck. We didn't think about that. You know, how are you going to keep your things from getting stolen? So our neighbor and our friend had to give us their lock. So thank you. We need to Amazon them another lock. I'm just not remembering that. Yeah, we need to do that. Um, And it's been six months. (laughs) Yeah. And you can never have enough tape or bubble wrap 
We wrapped everything 12 times. Knock on wood, I don't think a single thing broke coming down. Um, So it all worked out. And so I drove the Penske truck the entire time. I was the co-pilot. It's just a, it's a learning curve. I thought we got pretty comfortable with it pretty fast. The only thing that really started to become issues was getting gas and navigating how to make it happen. So we did need diesel for our truck. We did a 26 foot truck. So a lot of times, you know, you would get up to the service station and you wouldn't tell until the very last minute if they had diesel. And sometimes we're like, well, we're committed now. We have to pull in and then try to navigate around and and still be able to pull back out. So we did that at least once, if not twice. We did some really embarrassing maneuvers in this truck, just being completely lost and clueless. So if you're going with the big one, I would say you are more than welcome to use the big truck filling stations at like a travel center. We didn't know if we were allowed, like what the trucker etiquette was <laughs> at this point in time, but we were uh, more than welcomed whenever we pulled back there to load up with diesel in the much larger bays than than the normal passenger vehicles are. And that's probably what we should have just done from the beginning, because back there they have enough space for you to drive and circle around, unlike where you fill up your cars and it's very tight and it's very stressful. That yeah, do not recommend that. So I would do a Penske truck again. It's it's not a fun process. Like there's no way to get around that. But I felt very much in control. I knew all of our possessions and where they were. We've heard horror stories about other people saying like they gave their pod to this company and then that that company went out of business and they gave the pod to another company and oh it's in Timbuktu, it's supposed to be here, yada, yada, yada. I just, I felt very comfortable knowing that all of my stuff was with me the entire time. It's also a little unsettling. <laughs> it is. But it worked out. And the last question that we have in this category is, do you have any driver's license tips that you wish you would have known? Um, so this is something that we heard a lot of people talking about. This like, gave me a lot of anxiety before moving down here. Like you'll potentially have to retake your driving test and they won't accept it. And we we're like, oh, my God, we haven't taken a driving test in, you know, how long? And honestly, in Tennessee, it's very easy. You don't even have to parallel park if we're being completely honest. So that gave me some anxiety because I cannot parallel park even Wait, to this you day. You thought that we might have to retake the test? Yes, that's what we heard from people. I think you dreamed that. No. Anywho, we did not have to do that. It was very painless. And I think it was because Brendan did a lot of research, specifically with our county, on what kind of paperwork we had to bring, how much it was going to cost. So we made the appointment and we walked in feeling totally prepared. Um, It was very simple. But I will say we did see several people get turned away when we were there because they did not have what they needed. So I would just encourage you that if you are getting a Florida driver's license, look at your county's website and, you know, put all the things that you need in a little folder so that it's painless Um, because we didn't have to do anything other than really give them our Tennessee license. They took it. I don't know what they did with it. They gave us a Florida one that same day. It wasn't even like a paper copy or anything. 
and we just went on our merry way. A lot of it's just a difference in terminology, too, and I don't know. Honestly, I didn't even know anything outside of Tennessee's lingo before this. In Tennessee, you would get your driver's license at the DMV, and you would get your car registration done at the county clerk's office. Here, both of those transactions are done at the county tax collector office, which threw me for a loop because I was like, what the heck is a tax collector office? (laughs) But they did it all under one roof. But if you're prioritizing one, you need to prioritize your driver's license first. Because once you do that, you can unlock a lot of doors for what you need to do. So we did, I believe, technically you have 30 days to do your driver's license once you get your permanent residence down here. You have much longer to do your car registrations. And so that's what we opted for is we got the driver's license, that paperwork all filed away let it get through the system, and then we made another appointment to go back to register our cars, and that was equally as easy. The only thing, I didn't have our VIN numbers memorized, so I had to go out there or, like, written down. Yeah. No, that's incorrect, actually. They just want to match them. So the VIN number was on our car registration and on our title. Normally, outside of COVID, they would walk outside with you and look at the VIN number on your car which is something they do not do in Tennessee either. So both of us had to drive. So we both drove. Your car has to be physically there. And then I just took a picture of it on my iPhone. And based on the timestamp, she knew that I took it 30 seconds ago. And that's how we're there. They were able to match it. But our county's tax collector website was really clear. Once we made the appointment and we called it, they sent us an email, an email saying exactly what documents we needed to bring we brought them no problem at all you just need like one bill to bring with you just a couple things with your address on it and that was even weird for us too though because i almost feel like it was all in your name but we brought our marriage license to prove that we were together so it all worked out but that's really it as far as moving questions So the next group of questions are about what it's like living in Florida, which is probably what most people are interested in about what it's like down here. So first question is, what do you love the most about living by Walt Disney World slash in Central Florida? And for me, it's honestly, it's just the reassurance of always knowing that Walt Disney World is right there. And even if it's just us driving through property and maybe going to Disney Springs, but maybe even not just knowing that it's there has a great calming effect on me. And just knowing that it, it's available if you need it, 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 park reservations make it a little bit different, but even, you know, we had a resort day this past weekend. It was wonderful. What yeah. do you think? I'd say for me, it's kind of similar But I think my favorite part about living by Walt Disney World right now is just having the opportunity to not miss anything. You know, it's it's not like we have to plan a vacation around which Epcot festival we want to go to most or around a certain event. Um, You know, once like Run Disney has events, you know, I'll really enjoy getting to do all of those and not just having to pick one. Um, I've enjoyed like being here whenever – something new changes or when figment gets a Christmas sweater, just like little things that 
if we were just down here on a vacation, you know, you don't have time to do it all. But, you know, if we don't get to something one weekend, well, we'll just, you know, oh, that's okay. We'll go back next weekend. And I think that's been really enjoyable just knowing that we're going to get to experience everything and, you know, getting to see all the cavalcades, just like little things like that um, has brought me a lot of joy. The flip side of that question is, what is your least favorite thing about living in Central Florida? And I couldn't think of a definitive one thing. There's a couple things that maybe get on my nerves that I wish were a little bit different. I think first is the driver's. They're horrid. And a lot of times we've heard this discussion and people say it's tourist. It's not. It's people with Florida tags. Maybe they're rental cars, but they're really, really poor drivers and around here. It's, you know, people just driving like really fast or in the completely wrong lane or. Like turning right from the left-hand lane happens way more frequently than it should here. Yeah. It's alarming. And also on three-lane highways, if you're driving in the right-hand lane, I don't know why this is a thing. People will pull out in front of you with the expectation that you are just supposed to go around them, that you're supposed to see them and go around them, and it drives me insane. So now we almost never ride in the right-hand lane because people people will pull out in front of you just and you're just expected to go around them. Yeah. The next one was the smells, which we have a few like funny stories about this. Just everything's swampy. And I don't know (laughs) if that just adds to the smells. There are just some days, honestly, where it's like we walk out of our house or we're driving down the road and we just look at each other and we're just like, what in the world is that smell? And it's it is like it's a murky kind of dingy, gross, I don't even know, that you don't smell when you're just at Disney because Disney is perfect and they don't have smells. But the rest of Central Florida does. And it's not just like our town or our neighborhood. It's any time we're exploring Florida. And I don't know, it might be the humidity. I honestly think a lot of it is that Everywhere has irrigation down here to keep the grass and the plants green. All of those use reclaimed water to water the lawns through the irrigation systems. And a lot of times that reclaimed water smells terrible. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe it's just our utility district. But like you said, we've smelled it in other areas too. Yeah. And the last one was the bugs, which is probably more on your list than mine. Bugs. Bugs don't bother me. Reptiles bother me, but not bugs. Uh, Yeah, we're very thankful for our screened-in porch now. That was a must-do for us. And it's allowed us to be outside without the bugs because there are a lot of them, and they're everywhere, and they're huge. Next question is, what was the easiest and the hardest adjustment of living down here? And the easiest one, I think, is I had a few reservations beforehand about what this new lifestyle would mean for our marriage. I was never scared for our marriage, but, you know, you're just always curious about how will our relationship adjust to this new 
lifestyle. And I guess you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like <laughs> things have gone very smoothly and we've both picked up and we want to experience the same things for the most part. I would probably go to the parks a little more often than you, if we're being honest. Yeah. But there's some days that I wake up and I'm like, I'm not feeling it today. But I think a lot of times we're on the same wavelength. As funny as it sounds, we were just having a conversation the other day about who is your Morgan as to who's your Disney soulmate? Like, are you two Disney soulmates? Mm-hmm. Meaning like, do you do Disney the same way? And I think we do. And I, and I think that's been a really easy transition for us to make. Yeah, I would agree. I think one of the easiest adjustments has been just like with detour as far as how are we with like getting new content, you know, you're able to take a lot more pictures. So I think that's been a lot of fun for us and seeing, you know, that little pivot that we've been able to take. Um, And again, it's nothing drastic, but it's just interesting knowing that we're down here and, you know, it's just been like seamless, I think. And that was something too that you never know because we had anticipated that when we moved down, it's going to make getting content and finding inspiration for the podcast and everything easier. But there's still that curiosity in the back of your head. Like, is that really how it's going to work out? But I think it did. The hardest adjustment, which these things are never fun to talk about, but I think if we're being completely honest, it has been recreating our social life and the social pillars that we probably took for granted back home. I think the pandemic has a plays a large role in that, that we have not been able to create the social life that we desire at this point. But I think some of it is just unreal expectations as part of it as well. We've mentioned in a previous episode, we're still not really comfortable going to a church right now, you know, and sitting inside for that long of a period of time. So that was an area where we would meet people back home. Mm-hmm. And we're not necessarily the ones to like go to bars or go, I don't know what people do. Yeah, I don't know where you're supposed to meet people as adults, really. I mean, work. And that's hard for you because, well, you work from home. So it's like, well, there's half of our, you know, possibilities. Um, I like the people that I work with, but it's an interesting relationship, you know, where you like working with them and you mesh well, but you know, like how does that translate outside of work? And it hasn't. And I think it's because a lot of the people that I work with, we have different lifestyles as far as, you know, they might have kids. So they're busy doing extracurricular activities. These people, you know, it's just different stages of life, I guess you could say. Um, so that's been a little different and I would, I would agree. I mean, it's just, we've loved getting to see and meet people that we've met online and we've said this. So it's not like we're just by ourselves. but you know, when people vacation, they go back home, <laughs> you know, and then it was fun and we're still in contact with them, but it's not like a, the same kind of core group of friends that like, oh, we're going to see them every Friday for dinner or something. And yeah, I'd say that's been an adjustment. 
So we've had some discussions like we know some of you are moving down here soon. So if that is you and you fall into that category, <laughs> uh, just know we're fully expecting you to be our friends. Whatever you come down here. No pressure. No pressure. Um, hopefully we're cool in person as well as online. But yeah, I I don't I don't know if there's anything we can necessarily do differently. I think part of it is just it takes time. I do want to I do think park reservations play a role in this as well because people make their plans very far in advance right now. And so a lot there you don't get the sporadic running into someone as much, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, whenever we do have the opportunity to meet up with people, it is very much pre-planned. Um, you know, we're working around their schedule because, of course, they're on vacation. So, you know, we, we go to other people. Um, but, yeah, I would agree. And, again, these are things that are very much out of our control. And we've kind of accepted that. But that doesn't necessarily make – it easier some days. But if you live in Central Florida and want to be our friends. <laughs> now we accepting li- applications. We like Geyser Point and Polite Pig. Oh, yes. So the next one is all about the weather. And it's actually really funny because the weather is something that we always knew was kind of going to be an adjustment. And the question is, is it difficult to adjust to the weather? I'm going to say... Yes. Yes. Times a million. And I, yeah, Brendan's giving me a look right now. I think it's not so much the temperature because honestly, Tennessee has crazy weather where like, I remember very vividly one time in high school, it was spring break. It was like the day before it was 70 degrees. The next day we're leaving to go to the beach and it's snowing. And, you know, Florida's kind of the same way where our temperature just bounces up and down right now, kind of in the winter time, if you want to call it winter, I think it's not having seasons that I miss. And I never thought I cared about things like that, but there's one road and I, I'm terrible with directions. Western way. Western way where there are some trees that are like red and orange and driving down that road every time we go to Disney brings me a lot of joy because it reminds me that it's not just like constantly summer and that there are seasons and that it is December. (laughs) And otherwise I feel like I might not know, like if I just lived in a bubble, I would probably have no clue what time of year it is. You even mentioned like your students really struggle with seasons. Like they don't understand the order, which is unfathomable. And it's, and it's not because like they haven't taught it. It's just that their experience being Floridians their whole life is that they they've never experienced snow unless they've traveled they don't see the leaves change and it's kind of funny like yeah that we were learning about that in seasons they just don't understand I think it's interesting because when you're down here on vacation Disney does such a good job of artificially changing the seasons of changing out the plants at the train station or around the partner statue to represent the season that you're in, you know, and, and spring when you get flower and garden festival. So you feel it almost some there, but everywhere else outside of Orlando, it's just green. It's just green, green and palm humid. trees. I, I, 
as far as adjusting to the temperature, yeah, I adjusted really quickly. It wasn't really a problem for me. We moved in June, so we experienced July and August and September. Never really had any issues at all. We went to the parks regularly during that time, and we never really complained too much. We were wearing masks, too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's hot, but again, Tennessee is hot and humid. It's a little extreme as far as like my hair down here. I've had to do some adjustments there. I will agree, though. We didn't even get much snow in Tennessee, but this past week when all of you guys and our friends in the Northeast got the huge snowstorm, I was a little jealous. So I don't know if that will fade over time or if we're going to need to get a cabin in the mountains somewhere (laughs) or if we just need to plan to go to like Gatlinburg every so often to get that fix. Yeah. So the next question is, how often do you go to Walt Disney World on a weekly basis? And I feel pretty confident in saying that we go at least twice a week. We have a pretty good tradition of going every weekend. So we pick either Saturday or Sunday, depending on just our schedule. And we'll go one of those days, sometimes both, but that's a little hard with preparing for school and detour and everything for the week. Um, And then... You know, we usually just go like one day after school and other day, you know, some weeks we've gone, what do you think, maybe like four times a week, maybe. And I'm not going to lie, that for me can be a little exhausting just because I feel like as a teacher, I'm like, go, go, go all day. And then to go, go, go at night too can be a little hard because it's not even that we do the parks where we're running around from place to place you know, trying to get rides and things like that, but just like not sitting on the couch. (laughs) And I know that's silly, but that's what we did in Tennessee. I would come home from school or from, you know, coaching or whatever it might be. And I would just like sit on the couch with the dogs and watch reality TV. What a life. What a life. Yeah. I will say that if you are moving here with a significant other, um, there's, been a hurdle that we've had to get over and it's mainly me you've not held back at all like obviously my my schedule is a lot more flexible so i could go during the day mm-hmm. on the weeks during the weekdays and still get my work done and get content as we needed it or just go enjoy a day in the parks i have not been able to mentally do that as much as maybe Ideally, I would want to because when I do that and I know you're at work, I just have guilt. And it's nothing (laughs) that you've done. Like you don't guilt trip me if I do something like that. But I just I think that will with time, I will start going more often. And hopefully that is okay. Yes, we've we've had that conversation. So what's next? The next question is, has moving closer taken any of the magic out of Walt Disney World, or is that to be determined? At this point in time, it's a definite no for me. None of the magic has fallen away. If anything, I think it has been enhanced. And the reason for that is we are now, and even before we moved down here, we started experiencing Disney in the story and in the details and in the hidden things 
maybe not even the hidden things, but just like the slower paced things. It we reached a point in our Disney fandom where it wasn't about the attractions as much anymore. Although some some days it is. Some days it is for sure. But a lot of times we can get our fix and we can feel the quote unquote magic just by being there and listening to the music and people watching. So for me, just more opportunities to do that has has been wonderful and nothing has been taken away from me yet. The only thing, and I completely agree with Brendan, I definitely don't think the magic has diminished in any way. And every day that we get to go, like I say it all the time, you know, if we go after school, I'm like, how is this our after school activity? You know, like how wild is it that I'm in Magic Kingdom? A lot of right times now? when we have these discussions, I feel like it's my obligation to say you're a teacher because I don't want anybody to think like you're a student. Oh. <laughs> You've graduated high school, right? I, yeah. Yeah, we're past that. But, you know, the one thing that I have missed is that anticipation of a big trip. You know, like your family is going through that right now where they're anticipating getting to come in January and, you know, the planning and the dining reservations and all the excitement that goes into that, you know, staying at the hotel room, you know, where are we going to stay? You know, we don't get that. And that is a big part, I think, about coming to Disney. We plan to get that through Disneyland, though. We And we will. And I know it's coming. And trust me, we'll be just as excited to do that. But I also think just that complete relaxation that you get from coming on a Disney trip, like the idea that literally nothing else matters for, you know, the five days that you're here. Because you are in, you are completely enveloped in the bubble where nothing can go wrong and everything is great. I've loved getting to experience it where we can do that weekly because I do think that's been good for, you know, our mental state and our outlook and our creativity and, you know, all those other great things. But it is different because after we go for that day or for those few hours, we leave the Disney bubble. And it's, you know, back to the real world kind of thing. And it is just a different, it's a different switch that you kind of flip when you're living here. And I don't know if that's anything that we've talked about yet. Whereas it's all great still, but it's not just that complete. And, you know, you know that feeling, you know, when you arrive at the airport and it's just like, ah. Vacation. Well, and Disney does such a good job. They take care of everything. Yes. Like you don't have to have your car keys. You don't have to have anything. <laughs> you don't even have to have a room key. You just need your phone and your magic van. Yeah. And we haven't gotten to experience that in six months now, which you can't complain. We, w I think we would like to do some staycations at some point. We've not taken that up yet. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would agree with those. So next we have some food questions, which is probably our favorite topic to talk about. So we were asked to give us our top five non-Disney restaurants to eat at in Orlando. And then the second part, or another food question was, what is the best Hattie B's substitute? So Hattie B's is our favorite Nashville hot chicken place. They've now expanded outside of Nashville. If you live in a location that has Hattie B's, looking at you, Birmingham, Las Vegas... 
consider run. yourself run there blessed. don't walk run <laughs> we miss hattie d's probably more than anything else besides our family in nashville <laughs> and the preds and the preds but uh so let's go through this we've not been to as many orlando restaurants as maybe people would think because we do a lot of takeout which is we part of it and then we eat at disney a lot and the reason why we eat at Disney a lot is because we feel very comfortable at Disney. Um, so right now, all of these restaurants that we're going to mention have done just an outstanding job of like social distancing and like all of those things that you think about. Well, all except one, but I'll make that note when we go through it. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, just all of those great things that you would hope that restaurants and local restaurants would be doing right now. So... I, we cannot recommend these places any more than we already are. Let's start at the bottom and then we'll do a drum roll for the number one of the place that I think every single Walt Disney World visitor should go to because you can take like a $3 Uber there from Disney Springs. Okay. Number five is actually not even really a restaurant. It's a donut shop and it's called DG Donuts. And it stands for dang, but another word for dang, good donuts. And they're located in Oakland, Florida, in a gas station. <laughs> but they're awesome. <laughs> they are awesome. They are like the biggest, most well-decorated, crazy flavor donuts that you've ever seen. So the next one would be Pizza Press, which if you've ever eaten at like a Blaze Pizza or a Make Your Own That's personal pizza. That's the only chain on our list. Place. Um, we've never eaten it before, but it is outstanding. We talk about it all the time. Are you ashamed that we have a chain on our list? Um, I mean, it's probably not what people had in mind, but we did feel the need to bring it up. There's one in Hamlin and Winter Garden. Yes. It's, I think, the closest pizza press to Disney World. Third is Thai Blossom, which is in Winter Garden. As the name suggests, it is a Thai restaurant. Very good pad Thai. This is the one place that I got takeout from there. I probably would not have eaten in there if that was our choice. Maybe I went crowded. On, maybe I went on a bad night, but it was a little hectic. The next one was a place called Seven Bites, and we actually learned about this place from watching Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives because we love that show. Um, and we always try to go to anywhere that Guy Fieri recommends, except for maybe Chicken Guy. I was about to say that. <laughs> Chicken guy's not good. But Seven Bites was amazing. Um, we went there for brunch. And that is in Winter Park. Number one, every single one of you should eat here, Susuru. And it is maybe half a mile from Disney Springs. It is ramen and other Japanese cuisine. Just get the ramen. That's really all you no, no, don't just get the ramen. Well, if you, you want a definitive list of what you should get, you'll have to reach out because we could go on forever. And we can't pronounce any of the... But everything we've had has been outstanding. The atmosphere is super fun. They have um, lots of like Japanese toys and like pop culture. Really cool drinks. And they have a fun orange bird from our friends in the window. Yeah, so there's a Magnetic Flux Co. orange bird. Yes. There. So little, there are kind of people. A little hidden orange bird, like a hidden Mickey. Yeah. Out in the wild in Orlando. <laughs> so, yeah, those are our top five non-Disney restaurants. 
And then as far as where we've gotten hot chicken from, it's a place called Chicken Fire, and it is very good. So by no means are we knocking it. We'll definitely go back. Um, They just got their own brick-and-mortar restaurant. We follow them on Instagram because, you know, we like them so much. It's not the same as Hattie B's. It's not Nashville hot chicken. It's not Nashville hot chicken. It is marketed that way. It's marketed as hot chicken. I think they say Nashville. Well, so we're just Nashville hot chicken snobs, apparently. But if you're looking for hot chicken in this area, chicken fire is what we would recommend. And I and we think we know what the issue is. I think they're using honey at some point in the process, which is not a Nashville hot chicken thing. It gives it a sweetness that is tasty, but it cuts the heat. And if you're eating hot chicken, all you want is like tears in your eyes because it's so hot. Well, we're already almost an hour in, so might have to zoom fast past these. Okay. So what's your favorite non-Disney experience, Brendan? I think it's kind of the same thing of what we predicted before we moved down here. It's universal. Universal is awesome. We have a blast every single time we go there. And honestly, we haven't even explored it nearly well enough yet. We, we haven't, haven't done City Walk. We haven't done City Walk. We haven't been into the Simpsons area. We haven't rode Men in Black or E.T. Like there's so many things that we haven't done there. But it's just it's really fun. Yeah. And I completely agree. Um the one other non-Disney experience that we've had that is Florida related is going to the beach. And I think the best part of that was it didn't take us a whole day or eight hours to get there. We were there in less than two hours, and I thought that was the coolest thing. So more beach trips are definitely in our future. The other fun thing that I'll mention, and it's not Orlando specific, but there is one here, and it's Top Golf. Oh, yeah. Not all Top Golfs are created equal, <laughs> I don't think. We've been to some great ones, some good ones. The Orlando one is really fun. All right, so next we have a couple of Florida versus Tennessee questions. And so the first one is, Disney aside, do you find things in Florida more expensive than in Tennessee? This is really hard to answer because we do spend so much money at Disney. But I will say it depends on where you go, too. So you might not be in Disney, but there are a lot of tourist like restaurants and cool places to eat geared towards tourists in Central Florida, obviously. And those places are just as expensive. But as far as just like cost of living, I think it's very comparable to what we had in Tennessee. As far as gas prices and housing and taxes, everything pretty much in our budget has stayed about the same. Utilities pretty much all been the same. The one issue that we've had, and we've talked about it in the past, so we don't we won't have to go down this road to our groceries have been sort of an issue. We think now Target might be our grocery place. Although we've also fallen in love with Instacart. It's so easy. With Publix curbside pickup. Because why would I want to spend that time in a grocery store when I could spend that time at Disney? Hello? Asking the hard questions. (laughs) But I think everything is pretty comparable. I would maybe say Florida is moderately more expensive if I had to put my finger on it, but not by much. You disagree? I kind of disagree. I do feel like things here have been cheaper. And I don't know if it's just where we were outside of Nashville. It was getting more pricey 
where we were living um, and paying your own bills will open your eyes to that. So I don't know. I do agree that it's for the most part, it's comparable. Next is what do we miss the most from Tennessee? So it is cliche, but it's definitely our families. Um, we kind of had this idea that when we moved down here, that there would be a lot of traffic back and forth between here and Nashville for them coming down here and us going up there. I mean, I had even talked about it one time that I would take like the morning flight there and then the evening flight home to go do some work up in Nashville. Sometimes it's been six months. We haven't done that a single time. My parents have come down here once and your parents have come down here once. Right at the very beginning. Since we moved and we've not been back since. So that's just, that's something that I think will get better over time is that we'll get to see them more often. But if I had to choose something other than my family, I think it, it's honestly sports. Sports were a major part of our life in Nashville. We went to almost all the Predators games, every single Titans games, a lot of Sounds games, which is our minor league baseball team, Vanderbilt football games, Vanderbilt basketball games. <laughs> like we could fill our schedule with sporting events. We did fill our schedule. <laughs> and down here, we haven't done that, partially because of the pandemic, but also just because we don't have any real affiliation with any of the sports teams down here. I am really excited for spring training when that comes back in a normal form. I definitely want to take some day trips. Cardinals playing Jupiter, so we can go down to Jupiter. I think it's like two hours away. And the Predators are now just announced today. For this season, they're in the same division as the Lightning. So we might have to take some trips over to Tampa if they are allowing fans. Yeah, so I think I would agree. Family is the number one thing. Um, I don't think I've ever gone this long without seeing my parents. It's been like five months since I've seen my parents because we saw them in July, which is crazy. Um, so I'm really excited to see them for Christmas. But also, you know, like my work family, like I miss – you know, I got to know those people for four years and we were super close. Um, so I think that will come with time, you know, as I get to know the people that I work with down here more, but I'd say other than real family, it would be that. Next question are kind of our surprises and, and things, our final thoughts and reflection on Living down here, so the most pleasant surprise about the move. And for me, I think there's a lot of pride in Nashville and in Tennessee of being friendly to your neighbor and, you know, holding the door open for people and everything that goes along with that. And I was just kind of conditioned to believe that areas outside of there would not have those same values, but it definitely has. The people of Orlando have been so kind and welcoming and warm that that's been really refreshing to me. And the other pleasant surprise that I didn't know we would utilize it as much is golf at Walt Disney world. So we joined the players club thing that they have out there and it's been a blast. We've utilized it more so like a month ago. We didn't do it as much in December, but been a lot of fun and a fun hobby to take up. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned golf because it was something that I did not think about at all, honestly. Um, but it is a hobby that I'm trying to pick up for the first time ever. So, 
you know, buying golf clubs, going to the driving range. We played our first nine holes of golf together, and that was fun. So that, to me, feels very Florida, too. And I love that. Hopefully, that's going to be one of our new hobbies. Oh, yeah. We're always definitely like the youngest people out there. It's awesome. (laughs) Next says, is there anything you regret or you would do differently? And I think for me, we got away with it, luckily, you know, without too much damage. But I would not buy another house sight unseen. Yeah, it. It was risky. It it was risky. It was kind of crazy. I think the first time we got to walk through the house, um, we liked the house, but it is a lot to take in. Like, this is mine, and this is the first time I've ever seen it. It's a wild feeling. So I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's a regret necessarily. I've I've really tried to rack my brain since seeing this question about if I had any regrets. And six months in, I think I can honestly say I do not have any regrets as far as what we did, how we moved down here, you know, the changes that we made. We would just choose a different mortgage company. That's the only one. That we thoroughly talked about that. These poor people do not need to hear about our mortgage experience. Last question is, do you still see yourself in Florida in five years 10 years essentially getting at, is this a permanent move? And this one kind of challenged me a little bit. I think I can commit to five years. Absolutely. Past that, I don't know. I don't have any reason to say why I would want to move or anything, but I'm also not counting it out for any reason. Yeah, I agree. I think I would definitely agree to five years. You know, we've talked about short-term things that we want to do. Um, We've talked about new areas that we might want to explore or live in past like that five-year mark. Like I think we've kind of decided we'll probably be in this house for about five years-ish unless something crazy were to happen. But, you know, I – I've also said that I can't imagine living not in Florida anymore, which is kind of crazy because I never think I imagined myself as a Floridian. Growing up, one of my best friends, her whole family was in Florida, so we made lots of trips down here together, and I always had it in my head that she was going to be the one living in Florida, and I was going to be in Tennessee. And now that it's the opposite, I'm kind of like, well, I can't you know, live in Tennessee again. Like I love being here next to Disney. So I don't know. I don't necessarily know if that equates to being permanent. But I enjoy it. I I think Disney will always be a gigantic part of our lives. I think maybe the biggest question for me is, will it always be a big focal point of our lives? I think it will be, but... Who knows? Maybe you pick up golf and you become a (laughs) professional golfer and that becomes the focal point of our life. And then we want to live in Arizona so that we can play all their amazing golf courses out there. You know, I just I don't know if I'm ready to put a pin in any answer yet. 
I think it's, and a lot of it might have to do with the fact that we have enjoyed the freeing process of moving somewhere completely different that, you know, maybe if we're in Florida for 10 years, we'll get that itch again and, you know, we'll need to go somewhere else. So I don't know if that's part of it is just that, you know, just knowing that we have options. I don't know if saying like, this is a permanent move is, you know, it'd be, it'd be closing doors. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to be a Disneyland local someday. I'm quite against that. Mostly for the my irrational fear of earthquakes. And please tell our listeners why you're afraid of earthquakes. My favorite movie growing up was A Cinderella Story, the one with Hilary Duff, because I love her. And in that movie, her dad died because of an earthquake. It's a very, yeah, I mean, makes perfect sense. I'm very scared of earthquakes. So, sorry, California. Not hurricanes, though. Not hurricanes. Yeah, those are fine. Just earthquakes. Well, that is all of the questions that we had. Hopefully, it was insightful or informative, or if nothing else, we appreciate you hanging out with us for all of this time. This will probably be the last moving diary that we do. I I would imagine maybe the next one will be a one-year mark. We'll explore it at that point. It's just what's changed and where our mind is at at this point. So we've had so much fun discussing this over the last episodes of this series with you guys. As always, if you ever have any questions about living down here or about our process, please feel free to reach out. We love talking about that kind of stuff online. Any other thoughts that you have, Catherine? No, that's really it. We're open books. So if there's something that maybe you didn't get to ask us, feel free And yeah, that's about it. So we hope you all have a happy holidays and please be safe if you are traveling this holiday season. We will take the rest of this week off and we will be back next Monday, I believe. So we look forward to that. We're going to be doing an episode very soon looking forward at 2021. So we look forward to sharing our plans for the new year. So we thank you guys for listening and we will try it with you real soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.